Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your interim host, John Ekstrom. Welcome back to Trades Work. I am your interim host, John Ekstrom, filling in for the departed Dave DeVia, who has gone on to a new role, but the show rolls on, and we welcome our guest today, Altitude TV reporter and host, Vic Lombardi, who has more than 25 years of experience in the industry and a 32-time Emmy Award winner, 16 for Best Sports Anchor, and voted 2018 Colorado Sportscaster of the Year. Vic, thanks for being on the show with me. No problem, Johnny. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much. So first question for you, Vic, how much do you know or how much are you exposed to the skilled trade? So we're talking plumbers, we're talking pipe fitters, we're talking HVAC pros. How much do you interact with professionals like that on the reg? Well, I can tell you the business I'm in, visiting multiple arenas and stadiums and facilities, uh, those things don't exist without those good people. What I do for a living doesn't exist without those good people. So <laughs> it'd be very hard to cover games, cover sports. Uh, without all those creative uh, folks and hardworking folks who make it happen. 100%. And so, Vic, one of the things we've been doing on this show in the first season, we talked about people who work in these industries. We talked to them, their apprentice programs, and things that they've done in their career and why they got on this path. This season, what we've been covering a lot more is what is the cool stuff that these folks get to build? What are the things that they get to work on? And I think one of the main things that people love so much is the arena experience and how much that means to them going to live sports. I mean, it's one thing to watch the Nuggets on TV. It's quite another to watch it in a climate-controlled arena with 15,000 other crazy people. Uh, what, what's your take on the in-arena experience at, at Ball Arena? Yeah, I'm always amazed by that, right? Because this is like the arena where the Nuggets and the Avalanche play. It's a multi-purpose arena. The ice is literally there for the entire season beneath the hardwood. <laughs> so you got to have HVAC specialists. You have to have people that are engineered in that line of work that can make both enterprises work at the same time. I've always been amazed at that and how they're able to just go from one to the other. The conversion crews that come in and switch it from a hockey arena to a basketball arena. And it's like it it happens on a dime. So the fact that that this can take place without any issues, uh, very rarely do you have issues, is uh, to me a marvel uh, of science and engineering and uh, the HVAC alone. I'm going to Vegas this week for the Super Bowl. And as I as I sit there in a, in a stadium in Las Vegas, an indoor arena or an indoor stadium in the middle of the summer, let's say, I'm always amazed by the fact that this place is climate controlled and cool. I'm a, imagine how much money it costs to cool off a place of that size. So no joke. Uh, not until you appreciate the work that these guys, these gals put in, do you understand. How big of an enterprise that is. Vic, have you seen that transition happen? Because I know sometimes the Nuggets will play one day, the Avalanche will play the next. And I've seen like time-lapse videos of it, but have you witnessed it firsthand in person? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Usually when we're doing our post-game shows, the conversion crews begin then. So you're watching them work very quickly. I remember the days not too long ago. They don't do this anymore. They used to schedule double headers for both sports in the same day. Oh, dear. Like they would play a hockey game in the morning and a basketball game at night and have that entire arena converted 
in a span of three and a half to four hours. It really is. It's like a big old jigsaw puzzle. And to see them do that that quickly and for the to go off without any issue, it, it's truly remarkable. It, it, it is 100% remarkable. You mentioned the ice is always there. Could, I know you're a Nuggets guy ostensibly, but you've, you've done some work for the Avalanche. What else do, yeah. you, do you know? What can you tell me about that ice that, that people might not know? Well, I mean, the way they freeze it, I mean, it's thick. That's level so then they put these i'm not sure if they're rubber mats they put something over the ice to just shield the hardwood so there's no condensation on the basketball court right the easy thing for it to happen is you know the it heats up and all of a sudden the ice starts to melt and it condenses the hardwood and people start slipping everywhere so they do something there to keep that from happening but at the end of a season they have a day when hockey's done and they remove the ice, and it's just cool to see because you could see how thick that thing is. And I'm not sure how they refrigerate it year, year long. I don't know what they do, but uh, I don't think many people know that. When you walk into that arena on an avalanche day, it is about the arena. It's at least 30 degrees cooler, maybe 40 yeah, degrees yeah. cooler than it would be in a Nuggets night. Hey, man, that's amazing. How, you said that ice is thick. How thick do you think it is? Oh, it's got to be at least three inches thick. Okay. It's got to be. I mean, you think about ice cutting into that thing all day long, and, and they have to, it's got to regenerate, right? So yeah. they can never afford to make it go less than that. The refrigerant that's used, it's just a big, giant air conditioner. And wow. uh, I don't know how much they pump into that thing, but it's got to be immense. Yeah, it, it must be, because for, for something that size, you know, I seem to remember... Back when the technology wasn't quite as sophisticated, you'd hear maybe at the Boston Garden or something, you know, because that's another dual purpose one. But with the older arenas, you know, sometimes the announcers would speculate that the ice was melting underneath the basketball floor and making it a little bit slippery. But that doesn't seem to happen. I don't ever hear anyone talk about that anymore. Yeah, it doesn't happen here. But I remember a couple of years ago when the Avalanche played uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Avs were were complaining. Everybody was complaining of bad ice because it was mm. so hot and humid in Tampa <laughs> at the time. I don't remember this happened in mid June. That every time they opened the doors to the arena, a little ice would melt here and there, and it, <laughs> and it just turned into a swamp fest. So I don't think you have to worry about that as much in our climates, but the southern climates playing sure. ice hockey. And keeping the doors open, I assume it's a problem. Yeah, one would think, you know, in places like Phoenix or in Tampa, yeah. as you mentioned, or I, I imagine even in Texas, you know, if the if the stars make a run to the cup or something, it's going to be June in Dallas. That's hot. Yeah, folks in the southern parts of the country aren't going to like me for this, but I've always been of the opinion, and tongue-in-cheek when I say this, that if you can't produce natural ice in your climate, then you should not have a nice hockey <laughs> Well, you know what? This is the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. So if they have a problem with that, then I think we'll live. Um, But what's funny, Vic, is one of the goals of this show is to illustrate that when you think of a plumber, you're probably picturing someone as like a residential plumber who's unclogging toilets, not someone who gets to design really cool, intricate systems, whether that's at Ball Arena or we talked to someone from Waterworld on this show. We talked to uh, the head of the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, George Sparks, who was just a fascinating person. And so I want to pivot from the player experience to the fan experience, because if you think about the amount of plumbing infrastructure or HVAC infrastructure inside of Ball Arena, 
that goes to not only the ice and the playing surface and the climate, but you think about all the systems for all the bathrooms there. You think about draft beer lines. You think about yeah. all, all the infrastructure that goes into the stadium experience. So my question for you is, you've been at this for a long time. You've been to, have you been to every arena? I've been to pretty much every arena or stadium in pro sports in the country. There are very few I have not seen. Okay. So with that in mind, can you give me some of the things that you like? Put, put on your fan hat for a minute, not necessarily your broadcaster hat. But when you're experiencing yeah. a game, what are some of your favorite arena experiences and why? Well, I mean, some of the technology that you see, hey, I mean, electricians alone, I can't even fathom the wiring that is necessary, no the kidding. amount of tapes, the miles upon miles and miles of cables that are strewn throughout a stadium. That's The pipes, again, we talked about the plumbers and the pipe fitters. The amount of pipes you see underneath the uh, the seats themselves that uh, that most of the fans never see because they're in the bowels of the stadium, it's remarkable. When the skeleton of a stadium is built and they don't put the seats up, you, you can see that firsthand. And then they put the seats on top of everything, and everything looks hunky-dory. But beneath <laughs> right. that is the guts of a stadium. And I've, I have seen some of those guts, and it's uh, – the fact that they keep these things going, you got to think about something. If there's a leak somewhere, like if it's <laughs> yeah. not like it's house one line, oh, okay, I can figure it out. If there's a leak in a stadium, if there's a, a damaged pipe, do you know how long it would take to identify and find that thing? The fact that they have a system in place to do exactly that is stunning to me. Yeah, 100%. I agree, Vic. Take me through the fan experience, though. So the guts of the building are obviously it's – it, like it's central nervous system and, you know, it's like the, the veins and the blood of, of a stadium. But as you're walking around, what are some of the ones that stand out for you? Which arenas do you like visiting most? And, and what are the features of them that, that make that experience so good? Well, there are so many arenas that, I mean, there's the new stuff like SoFi Stadium in Southern California, which was recently built state of the art. It's majestic. It's like art. And then you go to older stadiums, like um, I've been to Fenway several times. Yes. The concourses are so compact. The bathrooms are tiny. <laughs> Everything's smaller. It's as if to say, you know, genetics didn't exist in the 30s and 40s and 50s <laughs> when people were going to those baseball games. Everybody was small and skinny, apparently. But it was just a different size stadium. We've gotten bigger. We've gotten better. We've gotten more elaborate in our construction. That's the first thing I noticed. I sort of like going back into yesteryear and living how, how folks did. Everything was smaller. That's the first thing you see. Yeah. Everything was smaller in the older stadium. Go to a Cubs game at Wrigley, and uh, they, they've retrofitted a lot of stuff. But if you go to a Cubs game, you'll see just how compact a lot of that stuff is compared to the newer stadiums where it's bigger, more plush, more luxurious. You have to understand, today's uh, architects, stadium architects, people who build these things, you're building against television. Television is your direct competitor. A lot of people would rather stay home in the comfort of their living rooms and watch these games on HD and not have to worry about crowds and parking. Right. So as a stadium vendor now, you're not only building to get people there, you're building to get people to like it there and stay there. <laughs> yeah. I think you find the same thing in movie theaters now because if you think about movie theaters from – what, 30, 40 years ago, there was no sure. stadium seating. There was no recliners. There, there was none of the creature comforts that, you're right, our TVs have gotten so good 
that part of the challenge here for any skilled trades professional is to say, this is going to be better than go- than experiencing this in your home. And you're right. That's a, that's an interesting challenge that you have to do. You mentioned Wrigley and you mentioned Fenway. I'd like to throw another one out there because it, I'm always a little bit sad when uh, arena gets demolished when yeah. it's still perfectly good. So uh, another good one in that same vein, I think, is Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, sure. which sure. is a you know is an older stadium, but they've done a nice job of keeping up with it. it there's great water features. There's they've they've managed to modernize that, but keep some of the old character to it, which I really really like. And there's also another interesting design challenge: how do you update this for modern audiences while keeping some of the classic features that we all like? I think that's harder than building a new stadium. I mean, they did the same thing I at agree. Arrowhead. Not only is it harder, I think it's more expensive because you have to go in there and yeah. give your stadium a facelift from the inside out, and that's not an easy task. See, I think the biggest reason why a lot of these stadiums are being redone, number one, money, because there aren't enough of these luxury suites which equal more money. Right. So you want to um, fit luxury suites in these places where in the – you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, there wasn't that much room for those. People just wanted to attend the games. So you've got to be creative in designing these things and putting them in after the fact. I agree. I think it's a challenge, though, to go into an old stadium and suddenly make it modern. It's not an easy task. You can make it better. You can make it nicer. Like, I, I think the folks at Coors Field, you know, Coors Field's one of the older stadiums in the National League. It really is. It's I was just thinking stadium. that. It's the third yeah. oldest one behind Wrigley yeah. and Chavez Ravine, right? It very much is. It's an old stadium that looks new because the upkeep has been tremendous. And I think when it was built originally by the folks here in our state, they built it with the understanding that you may make some improvements and changes. And, and that is just brilliant. The fact that you could take a stadium that is that old, really, you know, anything that's over 20 years is old now, <laughs> and be able to make adjustments to it without skipping a beat, that's, uh, that's great engineering. I, I agree with you 100%. And one thing that you brought up that I want to touch on that I liked is that you have to balance the need for luxury suites with making games accessible for all. You don't want sports to be the primary, sure. you know, leisure pursuit of only the rich. Yes. Because one yeah. one thing you said to me that I've heard you say many times, actually, is that sports is the great equalizer in terms of our culture. Can you talk more about that? Well, I mean, it's really the only thing we have going in the community that um, crosses every line. Race, religion, sex, creed, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you believe in, who your friends are, who your enemies are. None of that matters when you're pulling for your team because you have people sitting next to you, standing next to you, who are doing the same thing, the same endeavor. They're pulling for that team. And I can't think of anything else, certainly not politics, certainly not religion. There's nothing else out there that carries that same kind of communal weight like sports does. And it's the very reason why live sports television is exploding. It's the very reason why ticket prices are exploding and people still want to go to these games. Because it is the best form of community activity that we have going. Fantastic. I agree with you. I, I think that's beautifully stated. And so I, as I think about the thrust of this show, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, you can go to a game, lose yourself in it, and whoever you're sitting next to for those two and a half or three hours, you guys are there for the same reason, and we're all together. And and. None of the other stuff matters. I I think that's beautiful sentiment. I love that. 
Yeah. And, you know, again, uh, for the people that are in charge of, of building these structures, and we take a lot of it for granted. When you go, when you go to a game, take note next time. Just take note at how much plumbing and how many bathrooms and how much wiring is necessary just to make it happen. It'll blow your mind. Absolutely. It'll be overwhelming. And you'll have inescapable dad energy when you start telling people about it. It's like, <laughs> have you ever thought about how many pipes are in this place? It's like we're doing a progressive commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. No, no, no. I'm wondering why you're there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Vic, last question for you. Do the Nuggets repeat this year? Do you think they're the favorite? I don't know if they repeat. I know that they certainly have just as good a chance as last season. But I am convinced when it comes to uh, pro sports, specifically the NBA, not only do you need a great team, you need great fortune. And when I mean fortune, no injuries and you need the seed to fall in a particular way. Last year, everything fell perfectly for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, They were healthy. They got better as the year, as the playoffs won. You know, they got, they got very good seeding. Don't, don't forget, if Boston wins its series against Boston, uh, Miami, Denver's going to Boston. Oh, they true. lose home court in the finals. So they, they won home court by virtue of Miami upsetting Boston. Little things like that that happened. I'm not trying to take away from the Nuggets championship. It was historic. Spectacular. But little things necessary to climb the mountain. Yeah, I, I agree. You never know how it's going to shake out in the playoffs. And we've been very blessed here with the Avalanche winning two years ago, the Nuggets winning the, yep. last year. This year, both teams have as good a shot as anyone in their respective leagues, in my opinion. But the playoffs are weird. You never know what can happen. So. Not many cities can say what you just said. Just think about that. How many cities outside of Denver and possibly Boston right now with the Celtics and Bruins can yeah. say they have a shot to win championships in those two sports? That is spectacular. Well, Vic, you are a treasure of Denver. You are uh, a consummate professional and just an absolute joy to be associated with. Thank you for taking the time with me today to talk about the skilled trades. John, thanks, buddy. Stay tuned for more industry insights, news, and information about the women and men building our communities, building our skylines, and building our future. John Ekstrom, signing off. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.